This episode is brought to you by Progressive, where drivers who save by switching save nearly $750 on average. Plus, auto customers qualify for an average of seven discounts. Quote now at Progressive.com to see if you could save. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. National average 12-month savings of $744 by new customers surveyed who saved with Progressive between June 2022 and May of 2023. Potential savings will vary. Discounts not available in all states and situations. Stay connected this winter with this unbeatable deal from BreezeLine. Get reliable, fiber-powered internet for just $19.99 per month with all-in pricing for two years. But that's not all. Your first month is on us. This deal gets better with a free modem and installation along with free Wi-Fi your way whole home coverage. Safeguard your network from cyber threats and keep all your devices connected and secured with this amazing offer. Act now. Terms and conditions apply. Offer expires March 3rd, 2024. Learn more at BreezeLine.com. There's no place to escape to. This is the last podcast. On the left. (laughs) That's when the cannibalism started. What was that? So I landed in JFK last night. Uh, and I got picked up by a taxi cab. It was really windy coming into New York last night. Oh, it was yeah. really, very scary, very cold. Mm. And I got in a taxi, and the guy is driving, Asian man, means nothing. We don't have to clarify that. Yeah, there's no, you just threw <laughs> so, that out there. Okay. So we're coming down the highway, and he's like, do you mind if I turn on radio? I was just like, yeah, buddy, do what you got to do. Turns it on. Uh, dust in the wind comes on. Oh, I like and that. Just going, and so he starts full throat. This is mid- twelve thirty at night. Um, oh yeah, he's dust in the wind. As he's screaming, dust in the wind. Yeah. He is pull- pull- putting the taxi up to ninety five. No fucking joke. Ninety five miles per hour. We are weaving in and out of traffic while he's going. Oh yeah, he's dust in the wind. Oh, and, he, and he's not wrong either. <laughs> Very <laughs> confident. Welcome to the show, everyone. I am Ben Kissel. That's Marcus Park. Thankfully, he got here safely after a, uh, a taxi ride from heaven, in my opinion. That sounds like a great time. <laughs> he took a 40-minute drive. It is a 40-minute, normally, no-traffic drive from JFK to Brooklyn. Yeah. 16 minutes. Oh, I love that guy. <laughs> and that's just using the power of his mind, that's, confidence. Uh, and there's a lot of people that get a lot done just with the power of their minds. And one of those guys in particular... Well, Mr. LRH, which is the only uh, way I'm, t- I'm uh, calling him LRH. Call him no, LRH. no, no, no. Right, if you call him call LRH, him. then you are, you're start, they're starting to worm their way into your fucking brain, man. Uh, Lafayette I- Hubbard is the name. <laughs> and that's, and say your, your name is Henry Zabrowski. My name is Henry Zabrowski. Yes. Okay. Laffy himself Laffy. <laughs> could have trained that Asian man to be the first Asian president, which we're not going to see till 2048. <laughs> well, who knows when it can happen. Um, all right. So we're on to, uh, yeah, L. Ron Hubbard part two. This is, uh, we're getting more intense. He's getting crazier and crazier. Yes, he is. Now, following his bigamist wedding to Sarah Northrup. Big of him, big of me. Yo, do not. <laughs> Are you seriously going to start with that? I already did. Uh, Hubbard moved with his new bride to California and continued his scheme of bilking money from the Navy by faking various injuries and ailments. And you don't need a college degree to get that job. <laughs> no, you can just fake anything. But the debasement he had put himself through in order to carry out this scam 
plus the shame of a less than stellar naval career combined with the disintegration of his first marriage had put him in a bit of a low place. When you say less than stellar naval career, you are talking about him wasting a huge amount of ammunition on a uh, magnetic deposit. Yes, 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 yes. yes. He is <laughs> less than stellar, <laughs> and also almost almost starting a war with Mexico. Yes, less than stellar. <laughs> they don't care. I don't know if that's true. <laughs> and since he was in a low place, the affirmations were born. Now this is the core of the magical power of L. Ron Hubbard. Now this is true. Now remember, as a, as a chaos magician, if you're practicing chaos magician, anything you do has replication replications in the universe, right? You're gonna ramifications. Shut up. Repercussions. I repercussions. A- <laughs> I don't know what repercussions. Uh, L. R. H. Made up a 15 letter word for God in Dianetics, which I read 180 pages of on the plane yesterday. So <laughs> I think I little know I know a little bit about something about words. <laughs> uh, what is the what is the 10 letter word for God? <laughs> literally, it is that. I I will say it's like E F G H four four five. It's like literally. I will write it out and I'll put it. It makes no sense. Okay. It's just a part of how um, Laffy plays with reality. Okay. Um. So he has been lying about these diseases. Now a lot of time when they talk about it's like if, if they always talk about the same thing. It's like if you're gonna make a lie about something, never make it about somebody you love. Never say like somebody got hurt or that's why that's why I can't do X Y Z. Sure. Because you're putting bad karma out there. Right. So he has been building up this fake persona of himself as an injured person. So he knew that on the inside, he had to write himself. And a part of that was using essentially magical queries or what you'd say are like when you when you state your intention in a ritual. He did these in his own journals. Yeah. Hmm. Now, the affirmations were essentially the other half of what would become Dianetics, along with Excalibur, which was the secret manuscript that was so amazing, yes. it made people either lose their minds or kill themselves. Like the new Duke Nukem game that never came out. No, it came out and it was terrible. Ah, oh, well, that's not good. Uh, the affirmations, uh, though, were nowhere near as dramatic and were much more private than Excalibur. They were essentially proclamations about himself so he could feel better about the low state of life he'd found himself in. For example, mm. he would write simple, generalized statements like, I can write, my mind is still brilliant, and I am not bad to look upon. Oh, what a jerk off. No, he's, he's positive. No, I really, no, he's not positive. He's I a honest, self-centered, self, meanwhile, self-loathing maniac. It's an exercise that works. If you yeah. keep a journal and write good shit about yourself in it, you'll start to believe it. Fake it till you make it. That's just what people in solitary confinement do. So that <laughs> yeah. they don't hang themselves with a bed sheet. Exactly. But then you write a fun little book out of your own dookie. <laughs> <laughs> but besides those generalized statements, there were also a lot of very personal statements. For example, I am fortunate for losing Polly and my parents, for they never meant well by me. Fortunate. Wow. (laughs) They might be the lucky ones. Now, that last affirmation actually held quite a bit of weight at this time for Ronald, as his family had all but disowned him for abandoning his wife, Polly, and their two children. Even his aunts, who had once loved him so much, said, He's but a stranger to us now. Oh, God. (laughs) I hate what he's done. He's a pig. He's disgusting. Oh, my goodness. Well, that's not right. Yeah, he just abandoned his entire 
entire family. Yeah. They have the, every right to hate him. Yeah, for greener pastures, buddy. See you later. Greener pastures. Well, yeah. yeah. Well, what he had done is after he had married Sarah Northrup, he went back to Montana uh, and tried to live there for a little bit while his uh, ex-wife and his children were living with his grandparents. Also something in a magician slash psychopath would do. You show up and just be like, this is reality now. We're yeah. all going to pretend like this is fine. But his family were like, well, maybe that's your reality, but our reality is that we have been raising your children for you yeah. out here. Yeah, you need to show them back up. And where's your fucking cash? Yeah. It seems like you're making all this money. You show up with all these fancy clothes, which is he just been spending Robin Peter to pay Paul this entire time. Yeah, his wife eventually divorced him on grounds of desertion. Uh, and when he went back with Sarah to Montana, he would not see them again until his mother's death. And even then, he didn't even stay around for the funeral. His wife divorced him for the same reason that Bo Bergdahl's in prison. <laughs> I mean, it's like unbel- desertion is the that's the saddest thing I've ever heard a wife have to divorce her deadbeat husband for. You got 10 years for take this job and shoving it. <laughs> <laughs> Let's bring some Schaefer into this. Why not? So the affirmations were set out in courses. Course one included the aforementioned statements as well as more bizarre things like my magical work is powerful and effective. The numbers 7, 25, and 16 are not unlucky or evil for me. Masturbation was no sin or crime. I do not need to have ulcers anymore. Get the guy out of Scientology. Get him off of your walls and things like that. Just put him in the corner playing scratch-offs in the bar. That's who he is. <laughs> but also, That's what, all that this is. But think about this. That means these are things that he is starting to believe. Yeah. I think that he was very, obviously he's very sick. But he obviously was having trepidations about the numbers 7, 25, and 16. And he's jerking off quite a bit. A lot. And I... I'm guilty Good. of it. <laughs> well, we're all guilty of that. That's fine. Yeah, there are these little small uh, delusions that he has. I don't need to have ulcers anymore. I don't need it. You're just going to kick him to the curb. <laughs> That's right. The, the ulcers line brings us right into course two, which dealt with his imaginary health problems as well as his, let's say, unhealthy attitudes towards sex. Concerning his health, he had believed in his non-existent injuries so heavily that he was essentially having to deprogram himself from them. After faking a foot injury, he wrote, The injury is no longer needed. All is well. You have perfect and lovely feet. Hmm, so he yeah. pulled kind of a Kevin Spacey from Usual Suspects or something. Yeah, huh? yeah, yeah, something like that. Also, he doesn't have... I can guarantee you, I've never seen a picture of him without shoes on. Yeah. But he does not have lovely feet. <laughs> no, I can guarantee you he doesn't. Another affirmation said... Your stomach trouble you use as an excuse to keep the Navy from punishing you. You are free of the Navy. I think you can fake good stomach trouble, though. You think so? Yeah, I mean, yeah. I, sometimes oh, yeah, I get super a- nervous, and I'm just like, oh, and I get all knotted up. <laughs> all you have to do is, oh, oh. You think I'm sick. I believe it. That's always a good trick, too. If you're ever on a bus and you want to sit alone on a bus, especially a Greyhound bus, always pretend like you're super, super sick. Yeah. Like sit there going, oh, oh God. Yeah. Oh, oh, this devil's in my balls. <laughs> 
Yeah, well, it's very d- difficult to be the picture of perfect health when on a bus. Yeah. Now, this is what he wrote about sex. You have no fear of what any woman may think of your bed conduct. Yeah. You know you're a master. You know they'll be thrilled. You can come many times without weariness. Many women are not capable of pleasure in sex, and anything adverse they say or do has no effect whatever upon your pleasure. I, I do got to say, just given the physical uh, look of L. Ron Hubbard, that makes that statement disgusting. But think about it if Sting said that. that <laughs> is, that's just tantric that, sex. Well, yeah. If, yeah no, no, absolutely not. Tantric Multiple s- orgasm. Oh, no. Tantric sex, you hold it for one big yeah, one. Yeah, you hold oh, it for one big okay. one. But it's and, about but just saying, tantric experience. It, yeah. Two yeah, people yes, like I got snakes having c- c- like orgasms together. Yeah, this is the yeah. opposite of tantric sex. Okay, it's the opposite of tantric sex. <laughs> Either way, it's more disturbing because he's just such a dumpy little toad person. It's like more like it's it's bad if it came from L. Ron Hubbard. It would only be worse if it came from like Hulk Hogan. <laughs> oh well. The Hulkster can do anything to me. He also wrote You have no fear if they conceive. What if they do? You do not care. Pour it into them and let Ugh. fate decide. Well, yeah. It doesn't matter how good you look in that one. I don't, That's just <laughs> disgusting. Pour, pour it into them. I don't need it, Jimmy Hat. I don't need no net for my sperm like, like the flying Walinders down there. <laughs> he was also utterly and completely obsessed with masturbation, which seems to be an almost universal preoccupation amongst cult leaders. I don't know why, but these guys are all obsessed with jerking off. You got to get out. You gotta get it out. Gotta get it I out. I guess so. Yes, but some guys, they get it out too much. Dave Berg got it out way, way too much. Uh, and uh, was it Shoko Asahara didn't get it out enough. Well, See? isn't it, 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 that requires sort of a lack of self-control, doesn't it? I mean, one of the first things you learn is, you know, not, not to touch yourself in public or do those things when you're a kid. Yeah. But, like, these guys just don't even, they just don't care? It'd just be different if you masturbated all the time and you didn't feel super guilty about it. But he obviously did. I feel like if you don't feel well, guilty about I don't think you time. should no, feel guilty about masturbating. But I'm saying that's the problem is the guilt. It's not the masturbating. Mm-hmm. Unless See? you're doing it on a bus. Well, yeah. Next but to then somebody then, with a stomachache because that's your thing. That's a crime. Yeah. <laughs> well, this is what he wrote about that. Masturbation does not injure or make you insane. Your parents were in error. Everyone masturbates. Look around you. <laughs> yeah, you're right, man. Everyone is everyone's jerking off. Yeah, now you start. You do it. <laughs> Where the hell am now I? Now I'll do it, too. <laughs> oh, God. In the personal goal section of the affirmations, he would mention it again by just saying simply, You do not masturbate. And this was in the same section that he wrote, Snakes are not dangerous to you. There are no snakes in the bottom of your bed. <laughs> I don't care what Grover says. I know yeah. that there's a monster at the end of this book, and I do not want to complete the book, and you don't have to complete the book. He's very Freudian with his with his love of snakes. Oh, he's all about Indeed. Freud. Now, the affirmations also show rare moments of self-awareness that I think are very important important to understanding L. Ron Hubbard about his exaggeration of his past and present life, he wrote, You can tell all the romantic tales you wish, but you know which ones are lies. You have enough real experience to make anecdotes forever. Stick to your true adventures. It is not necessary for you to lie to be amusing and witty. Now, what this tells us is that Hubbard's lying was compulsive, and he was well aware of it. Unfortunately, instead of trying to fix it, he doubled down, because no matter how much of a charlatan he was, Hubbard was, you gotta admit, a brilliant man. Yes, of course. Lean in. 
always lean in. Yeah, yeah. What he did was he turned that weakness of compulsive lying into a strength. He rode the wave of his ever-growing sea of bullshit, manipulating people into believing him until either he was done with them or they were done with him, after which he would do his best to utterly destroy them. Well, and I watched this documentary last night, uh, my Scientology movie by Louis Thoreau. Ooh. He's a Frenchman, and it was very interesting. They focused a lot on that. People who excommunicated from the church, mm-hmm. holy hell, uh, they really get the treatment rough. Uh, the SPs. As they should. <laughs> well, I don't know. Well, it's very necessary to him keeping the lie going uh, because when you have a defector, they're, of course, trying to get other people inside out. Yeah. So you have to destroy these people in order to keep your power. Also, the more people who believe in your lie gives the lie more power, the more true the lie becomes. And mm-hmm. if you watch that Tom Cruise speech on Scientology, he laughs through that entire part discussing yeah. SPs. He's literally just, just talking about destroying lives. Yeah. Uh, yes. It's really unbelievable. Because they think that SPs are literally lower people. When you're, but later on we get into Scientology, yeah, we'll get into they're talking about SPs and psychs specifically. Well, SPs are suppressive personalities. There's yeah, a lot persons. of, we're going to do a lot yeah. of this. Nicole Kidman's uh, father was declared an SP, which is one of the reasons why her and Tom Cruise's marriage fell apart. Oh, um, no. I thought they were going to make it far and away with such a good movie because it was far and away, That's which is really like just it. the same fucking yeah. thing. Put them next to each other. Yeah, Days of Thunder. Mm. That was a good one. It always made me want to drink Mountain Dew. <laughs> I just that Mellow Yellow. Mellow Yellow. Mellow yellow. Right. <laughs> I always hated that Mellow Yellow truck. I was like, it's a Mountain Dew country, motherfucker. <laughs> now, you can also tell in reading the affirmations that Hubbard was starting to ramp up to something huge. He just hadn't figured out just what it was yet. He wrote, Your psychology is advanced and true and wonderful. It hypnotizes people. It predicts their emotions, for you are their ruler. And this was Mm. years before Dianetics, which is the book that truly launched his career and would be the foundation that all of Scientology would be built upon. He just needed to perfect one more trick to pull it off Hypnotism. Now, this is where it gets kooky. This, this is, is where, where it, gets- it gets kooky. <laughs> and you know this hypnotism thing that sounds goofy, that sounds kooky? It fucking worked. This is a skill that he would take throughout his life and use on people again and again and again. And this is where we're going to get back into the world of Jack Parsons here. Jack Parsons taught L. Ron Hubbard a lot about what it takes to get people under your wing. Yeah. And then this affirmation is because a part of the, the, the third course of the affirmations <clears throat> talks about him contacting his guardian angel spirit. And so, and that he's in direct contact with a red-haired woman that's beautiful, that it tells him all the truths that he needs to know, and only he can see her. And you could see that those occult teachings now directly fueled what Diane X was. But what he realized he had to do was figure out how to trick the meat of the human brain, which takes something like hypnotism. It totally disproves religion, too, by the way. His guardian angel would be like a fat slob who was eating a Chick-fil-A in the corner, <laughs> just like covered in grease, instead of a beautiful woman. And I'll say to you, Laffy, congrats on not touching yourself this afternoon. <laughs> Thank you. I thought- oh, you're still, you're going ahead. And you're doing it anyway. Yeah. You know what? Congrats for for being y'all being true to yourself. Oh. Yes, Queen. Oh. Yes. So yeah, L. Ron Hubbard had been taught hypnotism by Jack Parsons, but he needed to find a group that was willing to participate so he could truly perfect this skill. So luckily, the nerds at the Los Angeles Science Fantasy Society were all too willing to oblige. These fucking guys. <laughs> I just remember the the group of kids I played magic with, right? Uh-huh. It's just like, and I 
see that it's the same crew. It's like we had one Jehovah's uh, is it, Witness. Is it kid. similar to the group of adults that you play magic with? Um, no, <laughs> because you they also are do that now. Technically, those guys. It's D and D, and technically, they are all professional comedians. Uh, okay. <laughs> But it's just always like you could see the same crew. It was like a fat little Jehovah's Witness, my friend Jeff, who's like a gangly Jewish dude with fucking with buck teeth and braces, and a guy named Corey with who had like a with that weird patch of silver hair, and no one would talk to him. And then uh, a silent Indian boy. Yes. Well, with any luck, they'll nickname us the Unfuckables. <laughs> now, not surprisingly, Hubbard was a fantastic hypnotist and could put some people into a trance by counting the three and snapping his fingers. One, two, three. (laughs) (laughs) My God. I'm in the further, man. This is is creepy. Now, the weakest minds he could hypnotize almost instantly, and one of those weak minds was a guy named Bill Cox. After one... (laughs) It just is what it is. (laughs) We call you Willie Cox from now on. You love the nickname. (laughs) After one hypnotism session, Hubbard privately took Bill aside and told him that at 2 o'clock the next day, Bill would drop whatever he was doing and meet Hubbard on the corner of Wilshire and Lucas. When Bill arrived, he found that he could not physically take his hands out of his pockets until Hubbard let him. What's happening? Oh, man. Oh, man, my change. My change has got my fingers hostage. He just wanted a friend so bad. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Now, after that, when Hubbard finally allowed him to remove his hands, Hubbard commanded him to grab a metal rail, which Hubbard made Bill believe was getting progressively harder and harder. Now, psychosomatic or not, the pain caused Bill to scream in fear until Hubbard laughed, patted him on the shoulder, and sent him home. <laughs> what a Get day. out of here, Willie Cox. That won't be the only hot pole you touch in your life. Get out of here. I'm having fun with it. Good to see. What, what did you mean by that last statement? One, two, three. You're a peanut. Oh. <laughs> Salty. Salty. Um, it's very... Uh, this is my question. So he did this to various members of this sci-fi group. He yeah. would hypnotize them, and they pull all these pranks, and they're all laughing and liking about it. So I have never been hypnotized. I don't know what it's like. I actually don't know if I can be hypnotized because I'm so loud inside of my own brain. Oh, yeah. it can happen. I, they will not get me. Well, I mean, the closest thing I ever had to being hypnotized, we would go for these uh, evangelical retreats, and the pastors do, yeah. they do spellbind you. Yeah, uh, in, in, a, a, in a hypnotic kind of movement. Yeah, kind yeah of I mean, to speaking in tongues is an extremely hypnotic That's Charles Manton's scat, Marcus. I'm having fun. That's just fun to me. And then I did get the pushover when they touch you on your head and you fall backwards. That did happen. Yeah. And you do kind of, I would argue it's more going with the flow than being hypnotized. But mm-hmm. yes, so I do uh, understand the power a little bit. But I wonder if that Elrond is just has so much power in this group of nerds. And I love that we one of the best parts about about groups of friends of nerdy guys like this is that they're very supportive. Yeah. And I almost wonder if they're all in on this game because they used to do yeah. this all the time. They would talk about when Elrond would show up and he would tell them these fantastic stories there would be like one guy who's like so how old are you uh, are you 184 years old and Elrond there was like one time one of the sci-fi authors got kicked out of the group and Elrond turned to me and like well what are you ever talking about and he's just like well it says you, you said you spent eight years in the navy and then you said you explored China and then you went to Africa and then you traveled all of these in uninhabited islands it's like you that, that if you add up all those years that's like 84 years and so they get kicked him out but everyone else just like the game of it well they like the game at first because 
because at first the hypnotism stuff was like really fun. Like one guy, he made him, uh, he, he made him believe that he was holding two tiny kangaroos in his hand. That's cute. <laughs> That's yeah. fun. And then another time, he made a guy. Uh, think that he was having a phone argument uh, with a really pushy used car salesman. See, that's stressful. Yeah, that's yeah. Uh, that's stressful. They're like, oh, okay, that's still kind of fun, though. Uh, but this uh, hot rail incident, uh, they only found out... <laughs> <laughs> hot rail incident. Oh, oh yeah. About it. <laughs> that's right. Sounds like the porno Axl Rose is going to have to make, to make to get any cash in five years. My sister is the best gift giver I've ever met of any person. It's Jackie Zabrowski. She shops all year thinking about her family and friends and puts little things aside for their birthdays and Christmases. I have no idea how she does it. I don't know how she do it. But guess what? She always wins Mother's Day, but not this year. I'm coming back. Ready to win Mother's Day and cement your reputation as the best gift giver in the family? I'm taking the crown. All right. Give the moms in your life an aura digital picture frame preloaded with decades of family photos. I mean this. We have the aura frame up in my home. We absolutely love it. I can put photos on it very, very easily through the app. It's fun to do. And the memories keep cycling and I get emotional and we filled it with pictures of Carmi and Wendy. And that is not sad. That is celebratory. So you should try it. It's honestly a really good product. Right now, Aura has a great deal for Mother's Day. Listeners can save on the perfect gift by visiting AuraFrames.com to get $30 off plus free shipping on their best-selling frame. That's A-U-R-A-Frames.com. Use code LEFT at checkout to save. Terms and conditions apply. This podcast is brought to you by Squarespace. Finding work-life balance can be tough, but Squarespace gives you the tools to reach your goals and have time to celebrate. Squarespace is the all-in-one website platform for entrepreneurs to stand out and succeed online. With the new guided design system, Squarespace Blueprint, you can select from curated layout and styling options to create a personalized website optimized for every device. Get your website discovered fast with integrated, optimized SEO tools. Plus, make checkout easy for customers with easy-to-use payment tools. And with Squarespace AI, you can explain what your site is about, choose your tone, enter what you need, and get auto-generated text. And that helps you save time. I know I'm sitting on about two literal wheelbarrows filled with horse pics. Now, part of the issue has been is a lot of these pictures are getting stopped at customs because some of them do depict various world leaders in horse-like circumstances that seems to be pinging a lot of these custom agents' accounts. Now, so what I've done to do is like, so while I'm trying to work on hand smuggling these horse pics over various country borders, I then also have time because Squarespace is doing all the other ad work for me to go and work on my killdozer at home. So thank you, Squarespace, for allowing me to diversify in the best way possible for this country. Head to squarespace.com for a free trial when you're ready to launch. Go to squarespace.com slash left to save 10% off your first purchase of a website or domain. This episode is brought to you by Philo. Do you love TV? Yeah, we do. Do you love saving money? Oh my God, you bet. Then Philo may be your solution. Philo has shows, movies, and live TV for just $25 a month. You can even try it for free with their seven-day free trial. That's amazing. No contracts, no commitments, no hassles. It's just a better way to watch TV. Get with it, people. Philo has an unlimited DVR for one year. Save all your favorite shows so you can watch on your own schedule. Philo allows for multiple profiles and multiple streams, meaning that your 
children or significant other can't ruin your queue. Never miss a minute of shows like, oh, RuPaul's Drag Race. You're going to watch it. You're going to love it. You're going to get involved with it. And it's an extravaganza. You're going to love it. With Philo, you can start watching in seconds for less money and less hassle. Try it yourself with your seven-day free trial. Sign up today at philo.tv slash left. That's P-H-I-L-O dot TV slash L-E-F-T to get 50% off your first month. Ready for an amazing deal? BreezeLine's fiber-powered internet starting at $19.99 per month offers the reliability you deserve and security you can trust. Whether you're streaming, gaming, or working from home, we've got all your needs covered with speeds up to 1 gig and our two-year price lock guarantee. This deal gets even better with two free months of internet, free equipment, and free Wi-Fi your way to protect against cyber threats. Act now. Terms and conditions apply. Offer expires July 8th, 2024. Learn more at BreezeLine.com. Well, they found out about this uh, when they started doing regression because uh, there was one guy that said that he was visited by L. Ron Hubbard in some sort of like astral projection, uh, and it was very unpleasant for him. So they're like, let's see if he's been doing anything else. So they started doing this like post this uh, hypnotic regression on Bill Cox, and they, and found, they out- found out this this thing that he had done because because at the end of this uh, hypnotism, uh, Elron told him like you will not remember any of this. And he didn't. He didn't say anything to anyone. It wasn't until they did this like post hypnotic regression that they found out what Elron had actually done. And they're like, "That's not fun. Yeah, it's kind of fucked fun. up, and man." And they're all sitting in the court, and it's just kind of amazing. All these guys immediately, the all the authors are like. What if he's been hypnotizing all of us and yeah. we don't know? Yeah. So then Elron just shows back up being like, hey, boys, oh, I see finger sandwiches. And they're mm. all just like staring at him like he's the devil. Yeah. And then they, but it also gives them a reverse power on them because now he it's really interesting. Once yeah. you start that, and, and again, I think that Elron Hubbard did that on purpose. Yeah. Where he's like, now their their whole reality is in doubt all the time. Yeah. And now he's even more powerful. Now, right. yeah, now he's like truly becoming like a powerful magician. And this small little world. Yeah, in this small little world, which eventually expands into the entire world. This is where it all begins. It all begins with the Los Angeles Fantasy Science Club. Unbelievable. Yes. And it led to Stuart Smalley. <laughs> with, Interesting. He's, he's good enough. He's smart yeah, enough. Yeah, that is gosh, true. That is what it like is. <laughs> now he's a congressman, or a senator, rather. <laughs> in January of 1949, Hubbard announced in a magazine called Writers, Markets, and Methods that he was working on a book of psychology. He was working on it right alongside pulp sci-fi stories like Beyond the Black Nebula and Emperor of the Universe. These As, are great names. They're, I mean, they're all. Awesome. Listen to some of these names he did for uh, Westerns. Gun Boss of Tumbleweed. Awesome. And, well, this one isn't as great. Johnny the Town Tamer. You're naughty town. <laughs> You're naughty town, and I'm going to teach I'm gonna teach y'all how to behave. <laughs> you naughty, stinky little town. Give you a smack on your bottom, sweet little naughty town. John, Johnny the Town Tamer sounds so fun because the horses were bad. Naughty. And he was just like, yo, you'll be a good horse. You're a naughty sheriff and a naughty dog. <laughs> oh, my goodness. But those stories only paid a penny a word, nowhere near enough for Hubbard. In fact, he openly said this in a meeting of sci-fi writers. Writing for a penny a word is ridiculous. If a man really wanted to make a million dollars, the best way to do it would be to start his own religion. 
Ooh, yes. Yeah. He said it in a room full of people. And he said that again and again and again and again. A barefaced Messiah by Russell Miller, I found at least four examples when the people have remotely said it because they're like, it's just so funny that he went on to do it. Which is like, yeah. come on, guys. He gave you the thesis statement since he was like 20, 21 years old. I would love to see him on Shark Tank. Just looking for investors into his, into his religious cult. Some people start a taco truck to make money. But he just went right right to religion. Yeah, well, when he was uh, working on this book around this time, uh, he wrote a letter to uh, his publisher, his agent, or somebody like that. Forey Ackerman. Yeah, Forey Ackerman. And he was like, I haven't decided whether I'm going to destroy the Catholic Church or build a new one. He's like, you gotta stop it, LRH. You're making me laugh so hard I'm gonna so shit funny. my giant pants. Forey Ackerman. Ackerman had huge pants. Forey Ackerman's really? a favorite. He's a uh, a very famous presence in the world of sci-fi and horror. He was like he was one of the first like super fans. He was he was a horror well, host, and it was a weird weird part of history and and pop culture that he was L. Ron Hubbard's fucking book agent. Well, why yeah. were his pants so big? Was was he a big guy or a small guy in big pants? He's just <laughs> one of those like skinny guys, but looks real real big because he wears big pants up to his nipples. <laughs> oh, uh, oh, tall pants. Yeah, high pants. Sure. No, now, the fact that a popular sci-fi writer was working on a new sort of psychology was extremely exciting to sci-fi fans who were starting to get a little smug about their own place in society. They believed that since sci-fi writers had been predicting future technologies in their stories for years, that it would only be a matter of time before one of them would create a science all of their own. Mm-hmm. Like, they believe we are going to save the world. Sci-fi is the most important literary advancement in the history of man because we will save the universe. Well, the first thing we're mm-hmm. going to do is we're going to get food for everybody. Oh, and then nice. we're going to end slavery. That's the second oh, thing. It's going to be absolutely tremendous. It's going to be absolutely fabulous. But the, f- the third thing that actually needs to come before all of that is that I'm writing this book about intergalactic space witches that run everything with their orgasm muscles. And uh, the, the, the lead character, his dick is so strong. Huh. And he kind of looks like a fat little man with a beret on, not unlike myself. Yeah. And his dick can control the universe because just how thick he can come. Okay. So after we make uh, Captain Cockpilot, um, then then, then we'll we get slavery. food for everyone. Then we get to food, and then we get to end yes, suffering. Because I think them. we should feed the slaves first, right? But, then make them not slaves anymore. Right. So, but you you do want to write this first? Absolutely, it's yeah. got orbs in it. <laughs> okay. The psychology was perfect for this new science because you didn't need all that bothersome math or physics or anything like that in order to do it. And this right here was extremely important to the initial success of Dianetics. Not saying that he didn't include a couple equations in Dianetics, because uh, he did. <laughs> and they make no sense. <laughs> yeah, because he, he was also telling people that he was a fucking nuclear physicist. Yeah. And uh, one, I think one person mm. uh, said that they read some of his papers on nuclear physics and they said that it was like an undergrad student who half paid attention to one lecture and then tried to write a graduate thesis he um that's about that describes his life pretty perfectly yeah well apparently to him there's there's several stories that built up the nuclear physicist level where it started with the idea for dianetics came when he died on the operating table during an explosion when he was fighting in the theater of war japan Um, which he did not do no um 
But he said in the vision that he died and he and that he had he had died on the operating table. He went to heaven. He saw the tomes of all knowledge, started reading them, and then all of a sudden the hand of fate itself came and said, "It's not your time yet, Elrod," and threw him back into his body. And then that more that that came from he was in the hospital for a long period of time. He said that while he was a convalescing in the hall in the hospital, he would go read um, nuclear physicist te- like textbooks and psychology mm. textbooks and like basically prison educated himself while in the hospital and then the next one is I was a nuclear scientist. Yeah, it's huh. like that caller you had on your uh, radio show the other day that said that uh, he you- went to the University of YouTube. University of YouTube <laughs> and he broke down the intelligence of the races. Uh, yeah. You know, working at Fox News Radio, you get some really interesting conservative <laughs> opinions. <laughs> yeah, YouTube University, self-educated in every way, just like L. Ron Hubbard. Now, these sci-fi fans wanted to believe so bad that one of their own was going to create something would tr- that would truly change the world. And as far as they were concerned, Hubbard was the perfect guy to do it. He was an explorer, a war hero, a daredevil pilot. He had the look. He had the cock. Yeah. I guess so. <laughs> he was everything they wanted to be while still being one of them at the same time. You know what I mean? Like I know he, what you're saying. Yeah, yeah. I mean, he was he was able, like we were talking about with his wealthy grandfather, but yeah. his working class dad. This was like yeah, Lynn Sanity, Lynn Sanity, but Sanity. for the LA sci-fi community. <laughs> Jeremy, Jeremy Lynn. Lynn. you're bringing in Lynn Sanity. That I was like even, five years no, ago. No, it's still. I think it's in Houston now. It just ah. it went out of New York. <laughs> I think Jeremy Lynn still has the number one jersey sales. By the way, really? Yeah, because uh, people in China just they buy them up. Huh? They love yeah, it. Yeah, they love it because also they fashion homes out of them. That's not <laughs> true. Lynn Sanity. Yeah, and these guys, these sci-fi writers, they were perfectly manipulated into thinking that L. Ron Hubbard was actually going to deliver on all this. See, Dianetics. Huh. Where, have I, where have we heard that before? Yeah. A lot of parallels between L. Ron Hubbard uh, and uh, what's going on in the United States right now. Yeah. As we get further and further on, like you start hearing about all this shit and like, Wow. Like, it's just tactics. Like, well, these tactics yeah. just work again and again and again to fool people. Well, you got to put it this way so we keep forgetting that it works. Well, it just and then works. That's why realizing, it works, right? Like, we all just forget that it works so you don't realize that it's been this way since the beginning of this yeah. country. This whole country was built on bullshit. Yeah. Like, so well, the whole it, world. And it also, the whole world and, and, was built on bullshit. And it happens to everybody. Yeah. It does not matter who it is. Dianetics, Scientology, all this stuff is started by super smart people. And just look what happens with modern country music. They Tell us it's good. <laughs> they Everyone do knows tell it's us it's not. good. <laughs> now, Dianetics was first teased in the December 1949 issue of Astounding Science Fiction, in which the editor wrote that a fantastic new science was soon to debut in its pages. He wrote, The power is almost unbelievable. It proves the mind not only can, but does rule the body completely. And I am, I am just covered in hives about it. The nerds made <laughs> nuclear weapons. The nerds... I don't think what? nerds are incredibly dangerous. Yeah, why do we? Because I, he's also nerds are, are great and they're sweet and they're enthusiastic. I don't know. I mean, what do jocks really do other than certain things that are atrocious? But for the most part, but that is okay. What jocks rape? But more than okay, nerds. No, rape. that's we don't. know. There's no evidence about the chess clubs. I don't need evidence. Donald Trump and Elon Hubbard uh, said I don't need evidence. Oh well, it doesn't. 
They score touchdowns and they shoot. They make dunks. Now, in April, the hype got even bigger. The editor wrote that this new technique of psychotherapy would cure insanity, which was contagious, by the way, not hereditary. Yeah, you oh. fucking idiots. Yeah. Oh, I didn't realize yeah, we that. Better, we better wear those weird Chinese face masks around Marcus. <laughs> Just a surgical mask. Not the engrams. <laughs> and also, the techniques could also give a man a perfect memory and a higher IQ. It would also... Not just alleviate, but completely cure all of the most common nerd diseases like ulcers, sinusitis, and asthma. Which is interesting because they're all stuff that Elrond suffered from. And the same team, because he said that he was blind in the hospital, one of the main stories that came out, and that he had used the principles of Dianetics to heal himself. So he said it was eye problems, feet and limb problems, because he said he had problems with his foot, and he said he had problems with his ulcers. And he said using Dianetics, he fixed all that in his body because it's all in the mind. The power of positive thinking. Exactly. And uh, since nerds demand evidence, it had also been tested. It was claimed that over 250 people have been cured using this new technique. <laughs> <laughs> That's the sound of quotation marks. <laughs> cured. Yeah. Now, one of those people was a man named John Campbell, one of Hubbard's earliest followers. Campbell was a man of science and appreciated Hubbard's so-called scientific approach to the mind. Because he needed a scientist to help verify everything he was talking about. He at least needed a guy on the payroll yeah. that he could attach to the book. So he called yeah. up this guy being like, I think I could fix your problems with your my mind. And again, these scientists are not very impressive people. All it takes Well, they are for, impressive. They're scientists. But not to not impressive like in a room. L. Ron Hubbard was a fucking man of character and class. This is a man I honestly feel like a man of wealth and fame. I know. I feel like he's a, a Rolling Stone in some ways. But it's kind of like in the A.J. Holmes days where she's like in a room of the most impenetrable thick suspended nerds is if you can figure out how to talk fast and have flaming red hair like I also did as a boy you can keep a bunch of nerds' attention. Yeah, sure. And I'm an attractive guy in a, in a you know in, a, in an AA meeting with people who were previously addicted to meth or something. Yeah. But make it doesn't yourself make, doesn't make Make me attractive. Make yourself a 10 in whatever situation you're in. <laughs> I suppose so. Now, Hubbard compared the human brain to a computer in which one could recall and erase memories using a form of hypnosis. Which Robert Anton Wilson officially uh, uh, disputes and destroys in his book Prometheus Rising, which you'd look if you're a really true student of magical thinking. <laughs> yes, or if you want to have a good relationship, don't. Don't read it. Um, what is it, though, with these science minds, right? I mean, obviously, they're really intellectual, but then they're so dumb and ignorant. Look, like Steve Jobs, for example, not having, not not going the medical route for yeah. his surgery or for his uh, cancer. Well, they want it to be technical. Like, they, they don't want, they want it to, they want to understand it because the human brain is the one thing that we still don't understand. We understand so very little about how the mind actually works. But also... Hmm. It's again, it boils down to the simplest. It's packaging. Yeah. Nerds want a nerdy looking thing. Right. Like I, I'm, look at me, right? I like creepy shit. Right. You, you could sell me on anything if you put a bunch of creepy shit on it. I'm like, oh, cool. Oh, nice. Oh, my I'll God. Just, I'll take it. I'll buy it. Give it to me. Like mm-hmm. me screaming. For it. years and years, I solely rented movies based on the cover. Yeah. So I was like, I watched Jack Frost a lot because that the cover <laughs> was cover. awesome because the snowman melted into a monster. Yeah. Why do you think we all love Evil? Dead 2 so oh, much because I, it's the coolest fucking co- post movie poster that's ever watched it last taste. night watched it last night oh yeah, yeah. bad oh my yeah, god yeah, so yeah. good now Campbell would be one of the first test subjects in what would eventually become auditing which will get 
into more in depth later. In Campbell's first session, he was guided further and further back into his memory, resurrecting long forgotten events along the way until he had finally arrived at the moment of his birth. Somehow, this resulted in Campbell's sinusitis almost completely clearing up, or so he said, and so John Campbell became Hubbard's first big booster. Um, he hypnotized him, yeah. essentially. I'm visualizing this. I saw the movie Get Out. Catherine Keener is so awesome. They do a hypnotism scene in yeah. that. It's so it's it's badass. Good. That's what I'm thinking about now. Oh, yeah. Now, after he was converted, Campbell wrote about his experience to Dr. Joseph Winter, who was a general practitioner. He was an actual MD who contributed medical articles to astounding sci-fi. I wish this magazine was still around, like a thing like this was still around. Have you ever got a hold of an old like 50s pulp magazine and flip through no. they're fucking awesome there's so but, much fun get that shit you're going into a doctor you you got to get a tumor removed you find out he's a sci-fi writer well not, he's you- not a sci-fi writer he contributes medical articles to a science fiction magazine he's, he's a fun guy <laughs> just don't know if i would trust him with a knife in my skin now, at first, unconvinced, Winter decided to test the method on his six-year-old son, who mm. had just come up with a fear of ghosts, which he believed were constantly lying in wait to strangle him. That's, I, you know what? I'm never going to tell my kid that's not true. <laughs> it's going to be like, yes. Son, ghosts are real, and they will strangle you, and I will tell you one thing. All women leave. Yes. <laughs> and I heard there was a Coors Light in the fridge for adults like your father. Why don't you just go Why be you a go good... see if you yes. can discover it and that's bring good. it back for your Oh, father. yeah. You don't want to anger the ghost. He likes to coerce lights too. When the child described the ghost, they were found to look like doctors in surgical gowns. And so, using this method, they eventually traced the fear back to the son's difficult birth in which the umbilical cord was wrapped around his neck. <coughs> Freud! <laughs> and by exposing a painful past experience, they found that the boy's fear of the dark had disappeared. So, Winter figured there must be something to this new science, and so he joined on to fully develop Dianetics. Yeah, so you got these boys on guard. Like, mm-hmm. These he, two guys. He got a scientist and he got an MD on board. Yeah, right. he's got yep. his little Stevie. Reputable people, yeah. And he's got, he's got his... Uh, <laughs> his Clarence. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. It's Clarence he's Clemens. bounding down? <laughs> <laughs> no, Bruce Springsteen. Oh, yeah. okay. The little Stevie from Eastbound and Down. Remember them? I remember that. Yeah. Now, these guys, these three dudes, first started working on the terminology. Their first name for pain past experiences was impediment, yeah. but that didn't have enough juice. You need that, something nice. You need something good. Like, yeah. yeah, impediment, that's too many syllables. Right. They eventually settled on Ingram, which was a medical term for a lasting mark or trace. God, yeah, they must have felt like when you named the Rubik's Cube. <laughs> yeah. when you name, and you're like, yeah, that's got snap. Yeah, speech impediment is kind of a, a, a mean spirited term for the disease because it's hard to say. Well, what do you want to say? You got so you got you, you, you got Wally mouth. I don't know. Oh, you Something got, you that got, doesn't necessarily force them to uh, you know shine with their impediment. This guy's got j- j- jungy lip. <laughs> that uh, you could say that without stuttering. Jungy lip rolls off the tongue. Now, Ingrams were caused by aberrations, which were caused by physical and emotional pain, which were triggered by a perceptic, which is any sense message like sight, sound, or smell, and since pain was a threat to survival, the conscious mind sought to avoid it. You know, the, yeah, Hubbard felt that the key to all humankind was to survive. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, that would make a lot of sense. Like, survival was the most important thing, and that is very important to understanding how L. Ron Hubbard, he believed that survival, the only thing that mattered in life, nothing else mattered but survival. It wasn't just a base, like, you know, because all of us 
our base emotion is survival. But for him, that's all it was. And when someone's only goal is survival, that makes them an extremely dangerous person. Meanwhile, his children are out there looking like pig pen from, from uh, you know, peanuts because they're poor and, uh, and miserable. But you see, he breaks it up into four dynamics, though. So it's like survival ends up fitting into this weird, because then he tries it because it starts really selfish, but then as you go, as you read Dianetics, mm-hmm. you start seeing, oh, he's covering up his tracks because then it turns into the four dynamics, which is you have to do something, one that helps just you and your career and your success and your personal survival, two, whatever helps you get laid to make more people to have the human race serve to continue go on, three, that which helps the, the, the world, that which helps the earth in order to have all, the place for all of us to live and to survive on, and number four, whatever is a macro thing that helps all humankind. And then there was number five where it's like, women wipe front to back. Yeah. Boys, feel free to write, wipe back to front. It doesn't matter. Do it sideways. Boys, it doesn't matter. Boys don't have matter. to wipe. <laughs> so these Engrams would be filed away in what the three men dubbed the reactive mind, which was the unconscious side of the mind where they caused all sorts of problems for people. And they said the engrams could only build up in your body if you're unconscious or dead, which possibly means that we live multiple lives, right? This idea that you collect engrams onto, onto, your, onto your life track. I mean, that really, the life track and the engrams and the past lives and the multiple lives and all that, that's really, when he gets into Scientology, that's when that shit really starts getting he starts ramping it up. He starts ramping it up and, in fact, makes it a central tenet of the religion. Well, that's why you have to sign the billion-year contract. Yep, the billion-year contract. Love that kind of job security. <laughs> now, the purpose of Dianetics would be to access those Ingrams and refile them to the analytical side of the mind, which was the conscious mind. Smarty pants brain. Smarty oh. pants brain. And once refiled, they could be erased. And once they were erased, the mind could operate at full efficiency. The person would have total recall, his IQ. Q would rise, he would be confident, and all psychosomatic illnesses would be cured. Yes, and he would hmm. become what is now known, which is the famous term, clear. Yeah. And that is the ultimate right. goal of Dianetics is to become clear, which means you have no more ing- uh, Ingrams. Ingrams. You could yep. jump higher, your your sight, and he said- <laughs> Yeah, but you thing- can't actually jump higher. You just think that you're jumping higher, but then everyone just sees you like, oh. Yeah, but guess what? But they think about, they see how how high you think you're jumping, and then they get impressed, and eventually they start seeing you jumping as high as you think you're jumping. See? I don't. Is that what happened with J- J- Spud Webb? <laughs> I don't know. Now, of course, to come up with all this, Hubbard, Winner, and Campbell had to have a singular obsession with the subject. This obsession led to Campbell's divorce, which <laughs> whose wife cited Dianetics as, quote, the last straw. Oh my god, hilarious! God, just hanging out with L. Ron Hubbard all day. Being like, you're just gonna go hang out with this this screaming maniac all day, writing, and he's just like, I'm on the verge of a breakthrough. Yeah. <laughs> I gotta say, usually when wives hate their husbands' friends, they're right. Usually, usually. usually. sometimes not, but usually, yeah. Now, but Campbell didn't really seem to care as people do in situations like this. For the dawn of a new age was upon them. In the May 1950 issue of Astounding Science Fiction, which featured an alien monkey on the cover. (laughs) (laughs) Mac and me. The new science was finally debuted. In this article, Hubbard outlined everything that he and the other two dudes had come up with, but... 
it was nothing more than a preview to get the full story on how you could actually do this yourself in your own home you'd have to pay four bucks for a copy of Dianetics the modern science of mental health uh wow. yeah and so now <laughs> that's a, and that, for 1950s four bucks that goes a long way yeah that's four quite bucks a bit of, it's about 25 bucks our, our month yeah four bucks is a whole prostitute <laughs> at least for her life is that, is that the way that you uh, you know you think of money in your head not always <laughs> yeah yeah but yeah in people money yeah. um i uh so i got myself a copy of dynetics first of all he did a great job about about like putting the power in your hands. Mm-hmm. True self-help idea. At this point, I do believe that L. Ron Hubbard did feel that he could flip all this into a Tony Robbins type thing, right? Right. That, that he can genuinely help people, even if it's bullshit. He'll turn it, he'll be, somehow he will ask backwards, fall his way into being a true saver of humankind, and not for altruistic reasons, but because it will make him super rich and powerful. But you also then get the good points, too. Well, it's interesting you mentioned Tony Robbins, because I was thinking about him watching this documentary last night, and the thing that Tony Robbins understands is the power that he he harnesses. Yeah. And that's why he's very aware of not becoming a cult deity. He's, but he gave he, it all away. He did. He's and given it all away. L. Ron Hubbard's keeping everything for himself. Yeah. Because Dian- he's an egomaniac. I mean, obviously, I'm sure Tony Robbins has some egomaniac traits too, but at least he's aware. Yes. Yeah. yeah, he's aware. No, Tony Robbins is fine. I like him. Um, yeah. He's 6'7. Good guy. <laughs> he is a big, big he is. man. He's my size. Um, exactly. I, I read uh, 186 pages of Dianetics, and it is. Thick and dumb. It is um, terrible. It is an awful book. And I got right. to the until it got to the point where I literally started looking up. I was just like, "All right, I, there's got to be like a cliff notes of this." And so I found a blog called The Dianetic Journey, and it was this woman that was like open to the very beginning. She was just like, "I just I wanted to get into Dianetics because I was trying to figure out a new way to like to think about the world and think about all this stuff." And it's her going through literally the same journey that I'm going through, going, "Huh, that's kind of interesting." That doesn't make any sense. Chapter two doesn't make any sense. And it it seems like all of this is a scam. But no one wants to be uh, um, taken advantage of. No one wants to be a fool. So they try to rationalize this Mm -hmm. stuff, right? Because they've... Bought it for four bucks. Yeah, if you get through it, I mean, the whole thing is, I mean, it's pretty much like a near incomprehensible hodgepodge of like Darwin, Pavlov, Freud, and Young repackaged with new terms to make it sound like a completely new idea. Yeah. Yeah. And he also ripped off Eastern philosophy a bit in the form of the tone scale, which is just like a reworking of the karmic wheel, but with graphs. The tone scale was essentially how he, what was his major breakthrough for Dianetics, which is going to carry over to Scientology, which is this sort of concept of, it's a graph of of happiness and how that leads towards immortality. It's just this graph that's like there's four zones, zones one through four, and there's numbers within those zones that are attached to your general attitude. And the farther you go up the scale, like a zero is called total apathy, and that means that you are dead, which means that essentially your mood is connected straight to your survival rate. So as you go up the tone scale, by getting rid of engrams, you you slowly go up towards completely happy in zone four which brings you as close to immortality yeah. as possible but you know zone zero gives us nirvana zone four <laughs> gives us devo so i kind of like zone zero wait, was, that? Wait, 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 wait are you talking shit on devo right I'm now not I talking love devo. Shit. i'm not devo talking shit amazing i'm just saying but if you really want to talk about music nirvana is better than devo that's, i cannot uh, say what? that this is not even a conversation <laughs> that we're having. i love you devo. can whip it good that's not the only song. Yeah, you listen to the have song you Mongoloid. Heard, yeah, Q are we not men? A we are Devo. Yeah, you idiot. Yeah, I love you though. I will <laughs> never. No, I'm not. I don't even care. If you, you Freedom know. of choice. I mean, for fuck's sake, man. 
Every single album that Nirvana put out is better than the best album that Devo put out. That is a fun song when driving fast, yes. But when actually contemplating life, I'm not even going to argue this with you fucking, I'm going to call you Nimrods. But no, I did have this, uh, I did have this uh, question. When it comes to Scientology, is Dianetics uh, the Bible of Scientology? It is the or is egg. It more, no, it's it, layer no, one. It's different, right? No, it, yeah, it, it's it's a different thing. It's it's the foundation, but it's not the Bible. That's what we're going really. yeah, yeah. we're we're to get to it. is that Dianetics fixes the body. Scientology fixes the soul. Yeah. When he talked, the way he spins it out is that the more research he does, he expands what he knows about the universe. Yeah, and Nirvana Unplugged alone is better than every single Devo album combined. Mark Mothersbaugh went on to make some of the most incredible <sighs> soundtracks, yeah. movie soundtracks. Oh, in the my whole. God. Yeah, and by the way, uh, Nirvana Unplugged is pretty much a fucking covers album. Yeah, yeah. thank God, and it's covered by a great heroin addict who I love. Kurt Cobain was murdered. By and, Cordy. And he I had was not keeping his head on a fucking swivel. No, he was. No, he definitely was. He was more like a limp. Yeah, yeah. 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 Anyway. yeah. Don't get me wrong. I love Nirvana, and Utero is yeah. one of my favorite albums, all right? Yeah, I like it too, yeah. Okay, well. The first school I ever had a crush on, L- L- Nicole Lopez, had green hair, in, uh, and she carved Kurt into her arm, and that's how I fell in love with goth chicks, goth chicks for the rest of my life. Healthy. <laughs> Healthy. Today's last podcast on the left is brought to you by Hunter Killer. By now, you've probably heard about Hunter Killer, the murdery mystery subscription box service that delivers new clues to your doorstep every month. Hunter Killer puts your true crime sleuthing skills to the test, and you don't even have to leave your house. The stories unfold with an ongoing creepy correspondence. Things like letters, articles, objects, and tools, all from a Hannibal Lecter-type killer curator. Hunter Killer has been featured in BuzzFeed Fast Company, and the editors at Bustle are writing weekly about their experience. One of the best parts about Hunter Killer is the online community of armchair detectives that work together on the mystery and people really are obsessed it's like living in your true crime series there's secret facebook groups forums podcasts and live videos to contribute to the experience all you have to do is apply for membership at huntakiller.com they only let a few hundred new members in a month so don't wait too long they have different subscription plans to choose from and huntakiller also makes an incredible gift we all have that special person in our lives that is just as secretly obsessed with true crime as we are, there's really nothing out there like this. To help support our show, they've offered a 10% discount for our listeners. Use the code LEFT and get 10% off. So head on over to huntakiller.com and register now. Come join the hunt. In addition to all the pseudoscientific nonsense and Dianetics, it also has a few choice words to say about women. See, Ingrams can be implanted as far back as the womb, sometimes even within 24 hours of conception. And women, according to Hubbard, were unfaithful creatures who often had affairs with other men while they were pregnant. Honestly, Dianetics reads as somebody is just the most bitter, disgusting shit about women. It's really it's, fucked yeah. up. I yeah, love yeah. the way that a man who abandons uh, abandons his family somehow has a way to vilify women at yeah. the end of all this. Oh, always. Yes, yeah. some of the worst Ingrams came when a woman, while having sex with her lover that she's cheating on her husband with, 
she would badmouth her husband to her lover while yeah. they were fucking. L. Ron Hubbard did steal a woman away from Jack Parsons and take her on a boat, right? Yes. Yeah. Okay. yeah. And the sure. in utero child, if the child was named after the husband, would be born with an inferiority complex because her mother was fucking another dude and for some reason was talking about how much she hates her husband while they were having sex. Yeah. In utero, another great Nirvana album. And yeah. remember when we mentioned I mean, Evil Dead? Nirvana album. We, we, we mentioned Evil Dead and then Campbell was the next word to come out of your mouth. It's all coming together. Synchronicities. <laughs> Interesting. <laughs> yeah. And also, you know, they, he said that uh, all feeble-minded people were the result of attempted abortions. And all of these women, for the most part, their uh, main method of attempted abortion was to stab knitting needles into their stomach. Or oh. up their vaginas yeah. and stir the soup. And he Ugh. was very, like, oh, he's saying that most women tried to abort the baby. Like Albert Fish comes. Yeah. They yeah. try to do. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. And furthermore, a pregnant woman might ruin her child by being constipated. So I'm assuming he's a, he's a pro-lifer then, huh? Uh, oh, yeah. 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 Well, on the toilet, the woman, if she's constipated, she might say, and this right here, this excerpt, this is Ron's words. This is from Dianetics. So this is a woman on the toilet this constipated. Is a, this is a woman on the toilet constipated, and this is something that a woman, a pregnant woman, yeah. might say when she is constipated he felt the in, need to- in order to oh. implant an Ingram. Oh, oh this is hell. Oh, I'm all jammed up inside. I feel so stuffy. I can't think. Oh, this is too terrible to be born. I don't think she was having sex. Yeah, time what is with him. happening? No, 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 That's no, no, how no. he added it in his head. Is that he's imagining it's sign of sexy for a pregnant uh, woman to be all constipated on the toilet? Oh, that was the most disgusting oh, thing I've ever heard. That was since Toy Box Killer. I haven't been so creeped I'm out. I'm not I, having one. <laughs> definitely not. I hated that. Yeah. <laughs> Congratulations. We all agree. And anybody who got it hard while driving down the street while no listening one. to that, you get a gold star. <laughs> no one got a gold star on that. Now this may result in. And chronic colds for the child who is so stuffy he can't think. Oh yeah, all jammed up, all fucking <laughs> oh, just absolutely God. stretched out with with yeah. snot. Why yeah. would he even feel the need to extrapolate, extrapolate mm-hmm. on, on this? Why would he even talk about this? All of his what, examples are ridiculous. This, he they're also, all super weird. He writes about so hypnotism and things that can go wrong. How how ingrains can be placed for ten pages. But yeah. how does he, does he take that and be like, I'll make the analogy about a, t- a chick pooping? I do not. No, I'm. Okay. I'm pretty sure that his uh, first wife had a lot of constipation while uh, she was pregnant. He was like, "That's how all of them are." Oh, was that yeah. baby was forming inside of her? She was a little gassy. Yeah. Well, she's tooting for two. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and uh, the kid might also have an inferiority complex from being too terrible to be born, like a piece of uh, full of a like a rump full of dump. Like a rump full of dump. You know how yeah, I, I was always Wait, named Rump Dump. <laughs> rump full of dump? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Hubbard also wasted no time ripping into medical professionals. It's very likely that Hubbard was smart enough to know that if his new science gained traction, the mental health professionals were sure to have a few choice words to say about him, which they fucking did. Of course. They I, absolutely Everybody flipped out. Hated it. Because- Every. 
Yeah. Everybody did. I now, can't. I'm sorry. I just have to say, I can't stop thinking of Eeyore would be happier if they made a character called Rumpful a Dump that could have been Eeyore's girlfriend in Winnie the Pooh. So he's supposed to. It would make him. He was sad because he to was have alone sex with another weird mule that smells like shit. I don't know what Her it looks like. Her name is Rumpin a Dump. No, Rumpful a Dump. Rumpful a Dump. I just just try to rump a dump. Oh, Rump-a-Dump. Oh, Rump-a-Dump. <laughs> I'm Eeyore. This not is my wife, Rump-a-Dump. I used to be sad, but now I'm happy because Rump-a-Dump's around. <laughs> and of course, uh, Hubbard you know, predicting that the medical health profession was going to come after him. That's why he issued a preemptive strike accusing medical uh, mental health professionals of either making their patients worse just so they could scam money from them or by being guilty of zombifying every patient they could get their hands on just for the fun of it. And that would become a core tenet of Scientology uh, for, I mean, still to this day. Mental health professionals yeah. are just out to get you. Antidepressants and any sort of medication is evil and only creates more Ingrams and all medical professionals are the devil. Again, yeah. example being Nicole Kidman's father. The reason why he was an SP was because he was one of the most famous uh, psychiatrists in all of Australia. And they would call them psychs and again, it started with doctors and then eventually the lore turned into they were the embodiment of uh, demons that were billions of years old. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Now the hmm. third part of the book was the actual practice of Dianetics. In order to go from being pre-clear, which is chock full of Ingrams, to being clear, which is no Ingrams, one had to go through the process of auditing. Now, auditing was done in a dark room in which the pre-clear would be guided into what Hubbard called a Dianetic Reverie, all under the supervision of an auditor. Once you reached Reverie, you could move back further and further through your life up to the moment of birth, sometimes going back to the moment of conception, which Hubbard called a sperm dream. Which I called the seventh grade. <laughs> yeah, a sperm dream indeed. Uh, isn't that a form of psychiatry in itself? Yes, absolutely. Well, of course it is. Uh, well, is that's all... what he's saying is that he's saying this is a new form of psychotherapy. And, right. I mean, Which do and it all yourself. The, yeah, it's do it yourself. It's do it with a buddy. Is that your buddy can be your auditor. Yeah. Uh, anyone, but, and also anybody can train to be an auditor because after this comes out it starts off with anybody can be an auditor and then it turns into give me $500 and I'll teach you how to be an auditor and it's interesting oh my god yeah they have another example in that uh, in that documentary I saw with an actor who wanted to he, he saw an ad in Backstage Magazine he ended up spending $50,000 in three years on these dumb stupid ass books but that's another thing that a lot of cults do the holistic route like my parents mm -hmm. they we didn't have medicine we had an aloe vera plant for three years oh, no matter shit. what no matter what you were sick with he was like suck on the plant and that was supposed suck to work on the plant. well it wasn't like that henry suck on do the not plant. taint my childhood to watch you do suck not taint childhood plant. memories with your version of it so as you went further back into your memory, you would discover Ingrams, which once discovered could be filed into the analytical mind and erased. For example, one guy said that he saw two bulging eyes while he was being audited, which he said looked like popping eyes. Ooh. Popping eyes became Popeyes, like sure. Popeye the Sailor Man, sure. which became Poppy. It sounds like we're in a room where people are writing one of those dumb shit commercials for the Super Bowl. It doesn't make any sense. You don't know what it is until it gets to the end. You know what I mean? <laughs> yeah, but you know what? We're going to put Selma Hayek in it. Ooh, That's a great idea. Uh, poppies made the guy think of a poem. I think it was a John Donne poem. It said, in Flanders fields, the poppies grow by the crosses row on row. Crosses made him think of his brother who had died at a young age years earlier. He then came upon the Ingram that was created by his brother's death, oh. which he had never quite dealt with. And he discovered that after finding and dealing with it, 
he felt better. Which is actually, of course, though, of course you feel better if you think about something. And also, people love to talk about themselves, so you immediately feel better when you're talking about yourself. Yeah, but I mean, I just don't know why they have to attack, because that's just a rule of improv. They just found the scene, and the scene happened to be his dead brother, and that's where they, that's what, uh, you know, was the the crux of the angst. It's also that scene from Black Dynamite, where he's doing the conspiracy breakdown in the the, uh, (laughs) restaurant. Yeah, that's the first. That's the first reference to Black Dynamite. Congratulations, everyone! Thank you. <laughs> that's interesting. Now this happened again and again with people, and so the thought process went that if auditing worked, then maybe there was something to Dianetics as a whole, and by extension, mm-hmm. when Scientology came around, maybe there was something to that too, because yeah. auditing <laughs> did make some people feel better. So yeah. when someone felt better through auditing, mostly by just having someone listen to them talk about right. their problems for two hours. They would audit two friends, and they would audit two friends, and so on, and so on. Yeah, they they would hold auditing parties where people would get together and audit each other, and it became the thing to do in L.A. Yeah. In L.A. Ju- is the birthplace of some of our worst ideas. Yes. It's the worst place in America. The weather Except, is too nice. Honestly. Where, the weather is just too nice. The sun fries your brain. The worst place in America is still, it's got to be Gary, Indiana. No, <laughs> I love Gary, Indiana. Gary, Indiana is a bad place. No, it's fine. Good people. No, and I'm sorry, LA, you, it's not the worst place in America. Can't wait to see you at the Masonic Lodge Hollywood Good forever. Cemetery. No, no, no. I'm not, not all of LA. I just That's- got my own issues with it, all right? Gary, Indiana. <laughs> Gary's a fine place. No, in just two months, Dianetics sold over 55,000 copies. Wow. And it topped the Los Angeles Times bestseller list. Over 500 Dianetics groups have been set up around the U.S. And everywhere people were firing their $15 an hour, an hour psychoanalyst for a $4 do-it-yourself mental health kit. This is 1950. People are just starting to get into psychoanalysis. People are nervous as fuck because we've got the Cold War starting to ramp up. People are looking for something, anything to make them feel better, and Dianetics was a cheap and easy way. And you have a whole generation of dudes back from World War II. Yeah. That had just Mm -hmm. been to these, and there's a lot of weird psychological problems that Mm -hmm. a lot of these guys, my grandfather even vaguely talked about, like, because of of the nature of the war and because there were such clear delineated lines between who's good guys and bad guys, the people that came back, were they didn't even really think that they had shell shock or, like, dealt with horrors of the war until now you have a whole generation of guys that kind of, like, there's an influx of money, the economy's boosting in America, they're like, okay, it's time to make babies and have houses and everybody's shattered yeah, yeah. from killing people for five years. Yeah. Uh, so, after Dianetics started selling, the real money started rolling in. Converts started flocking to the newly opened Hubbard Dianetic Research Foundation in Elizabeth, New Jersey for training in how to become an official Hubbard-endorsed auditor. These courses cost, in 1950, $500 hundred dollars each which in today's money little over five grand um and if you look at the chart you, you've seen the dianetics chart yeah it's just a perfect uh example of just breadcrumb 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 it's such a genius marketing scam well, yes it started with in dianetics there was an end to it there was clear clear was the highest level that's what everybody was trying to get to and then once scientology started that's when the goalposts started moving for uh, that's when all the ot shit started right the operating phaeton stuff which we'll get into on the next episode. Dianetics also had a little bit of a backdoor in there where how clear was on a permanent 
state. Ah, clear you could bounce in and out of. So if you hit clear, it's great. You can be made clear. You can but go back down. Yeah, you can yeah. go back down. Mm. And L. Ron Hubbard also had a great way of being kind of like self-effacing uh, by saying, even I'm not clear. Like, clear is something that even I haven't came well, upon yet. Well, he started yet. there, and then eventually <laughs> he became Lord Jesus Christ of everything. Yeah. yeah. Eventually. Now, on August 10th, Hubbard hosted an event at the Shrine Auditorium in L.A. to unveil the world's first clear. This is just maybe, what, three months after Scientology came out? Her name was Sonia, and Hubbard was going to demonstrate to an audience of about 6,000 people just what they could hope to accomplish if only they were to buy Dianetics and see it through to the end. Mm -hmm. So Sonia came on stage and said that Dianetics had cleared her sinuses and Mm. it cured her quote, strange and embarrassing allergy to pain, although I don't really know what the fuck a strange and embarrassing allergy to pain actually Oh, is is that the one thing I experienced in the emergency room when the guy was cauterizing my thumb and I was bellowing like I was having an earth-shattering orgasm? Is that <laughs> what it is? I don't know why you would ejaculate during that experience. No, but I was just screaming. Yeah, yeah but that's not an, an allergy to pain. That's just pain. Yeah, that's just pain. I don't know what an allergy to pain it's is. It's all horseshit. Yeah. Okay. Because, well, the audience thought it was horseshit, too. They were underwhelmed. They were showing up expecting to see the next stage of human evolution, and instead it was just a woman named Sonia going like my sinuses are clear right like, aren't you happy it, it could just be <laughs> like a fucking my pillow commercial so Ooh, these I love my pillow so uh, Hubbard he felt like he's about to lose the audience so he makes the mistake of taking questions from the crowd and the crowd they knew they had read Dianetics mm. so they started and they knew that if you were clear then you had perfect recall of your memory Uh-oh. so someone shouted What'd you have for breakfast on October 3rd, 1942? I know for a fact it it wasn't. Yogurt parfait. (laughs) Yeah, it wasn't. Just say yogurt parfait. It wasn't a dookie milkshake. (laughs) We need to get a different producer in his ear. And then another one asked, what's on page 122 of Dianetics? It says something about making yourself having an abortion. And then when Hubbard turned his back to her, one smartass yelled, Quick, what color tie is Hubbard wearing? Something to do with abortion. <laughs> what in the world? And she had no answer to any of this. She oh completely and totally froze. And Hubbard, Wow, I shocking. Mean, yeah, Hubbard, I mean, he tried to recover. The only thing he could come up with was that when he called her out on stage, she became frozen in present time, and it had blocked her total recall. Genius, Elrond. Good Genius. work, good cover. Yeah, and reminds, so she needed to become clear again. It re- oh, I see. So yeah, she's yeah. going to pay another 50 grand to yep. do that. Yeah. It reminds me when Rush Limbaugh had that short-lived television show, and they had to escort the audience out because he got booed off stage. <laughs> do you remember that? I didn't what hear about j- that. Yeah, he's such a jackass. He started doing a monologue. Everyone booed him, and they had to get they had to get the audience out when they came back to commercial. It was just him in an empty room. Wow. <laughs> yeah. Now, in the modern age, an incident like this would have been caught on video and uploaded to YouTube before yep. the night was even over. The, and religion is dead in the womb. It is. DOA. Yeah, I mean, this whole thing is over and done with. But in 1950, it was nothing more than a bad night, and Hubbard moved on. Yeah, because you have hmm. to 
count upon the word of the paper boys. And everyone knows those little paper boys will say anything for a nickel. Anything. Okay. Uh, in just a short couple of months, Dianetics had offices in New York, D.C., Chicago, and Honolulu. Ooh. And headquarters in California, located in a former governor's mansion called the Casa. Ooh, Mexican. Well, yeah, it, was Spanish it was Spanish architecture. So like, it was oh, the Casa. Beautiful. That's fun. Honolulu is a fun name. I love Honolulu. Waikiki? Yeah. Why, why not? <laughs> I'd say that it's cute, but essentially, but it is a whole race. You know what I mean? So it's not what? cute. It's just how they live. Honolulu. Oh, you mean the Polynesians? Yeah. You know, what are you talking about? They live, and it seems cute. But it they, is cute. But they're also very, I'm sure that they're vicious, but also erotic, and also sad. You know what I mean? They're people. Well, yeah, they did I mean. once. They did once have a king. Cool. Yes, once. <laughs> <laughs> but all this money's coming in. Ron wasn't any better with money then than he was when he spent the money he made writing buckskin brigades mm. on a boat. He also refused to delegate authority as he was becoming increasingly paranoid that the CIA had hitmen after him because he was just that goddamn important. Well, now you're seeing the manic the manic faces coming in and out becoming less more like fantastic and awesome. He's buying everybody beers at the bar and like, like let's all jump off the bridge. You mean like having fun times, that kind of manic, into real paranoid delusions, and then eventually that will spiral into depression. Right. Yeah. I mean, that happens sometimes. I mean, when because it's time, really yeah. starting to become apparent that L. Ron Hubbard is a manic depression. Because sometimes when you start getting a lot of success, when you start getting a lot of endorphins rushing in, that will flip a switch on you and the manic turns from I'm going to write all night to everybody's out to get me, which sure. turns into depression. And it's just like this never-ending cycle. And this is something that would go on. Like, L. Ron Hubbard would never recover from this because, of course, he would never fucking get help for any of it because he thought that auditing was going to fix all of his fucking problems. Right. When, in fact, auditing probably made it even worse because auditing was actually proven to drive people... Literally insane. insane. It would it would drive people to the nut house. But also, it's him believing his own lies. Yeah. yeah. And the, and also, I feel like I, even at this point, he, he doesn't yet fully believe his own lies. Yeah. The, he does sort of know yeah. that he's supposed to say auditing will fix all my problems because he's telling everybody that auditing, auditing will fix all your problems. But the auditing is not fixing his problems. Yeah. You'll find out later that he kept the the auditing records that they that he kept every one of them. There's like tons of them, literally tons in weight of his audi auditing records. That all show that he learned nothing. And during yeah. that process, they were at this point were they holding the the uh, the truth sticks or whatever. The, the e meter had the, not showed up. Not yet. yet. Okay. And the nut house, by the way, actually has no nuts in it, which I do want to clarify. That's cute. <laughs> Little bowls of cashews or something. Now Hubbard's mistress at the time, Barbara, described him as vain, arrogant, self-centered, and unable to tolerate any frustration of any kind on top of a heavy drinking habit. Now Barbara was beautiful. Yeah. Barbara was well, all of Elrond's wives and uh, mistresses were all beautiful. Very beautiful. And she described him as flabby and she did not did not know why she was attracted to him except for his wonderful ideas, mm -hmm. which got Guys, gotta get some wonderful ideas. Interesting. It, All you have to do is be interesting, interesting and, and not creepy about it and not self-righteous about he it. He was also funny. As they all said, he what, was funny yeah. and he used to play ukulele and he asked a lot of time he used to put funny costumes on and he'd act stuff out. This drunk, dumpy shithead also plays the ukulele? Yeah. I would fucking beat him up every day <laughs> of his life. This was before. That was when it was Hawaiian and not like a Hipster. folksy art, art girl. Yeah, it was Yo. cute. Yeah, yeah. God, there was a ukulele. I don't know. Yeah. Dreadful. 
And actually, Barbara and Elron had quite the interesting relationship. No, they had an on and off again affair that was very, very tumultuous. And the two of them were the. The way he put it is like, so now Elrond is this nerd who has made a bunch of people start worshiping him, and he's starting to get all of his dreams come true. And so what he doing then is, is he plays that he's kind of already sick of his wife, who's got a kid, and all fucking whatever, all that horseshit. Where it's like wow. now he's got this new PR woman that was supposed to help him with the people that were attacking for his religion and and for for the Dianetics processes that he was putting together. And Wait, so, so the wife Barbara, did he have children with Barbara also? No. no. Okay. So no. No. He's no. Still no. just got the two kids. He that was he's never right? sully. Bar- at this point, he's got two kids with Polly that he has abandoned. Yep. Uh, he's got one kid with Sarah, a little oh, girl, okay. and a little girl named uh, Alexis. He also abandoned. Uh, he's still married to her. At he's this in point. the process of it. Yeah, and so they met, and so they got they broke up. And so this is the Barbara and Hubbard. Barbara and Hubbard broke up at one point, and this is a transcript of what she said that she's had. I watched an interview with her, and she's fantastic. She's a fucking nut. Yeah, and uh, this uh, excerpt, by the way, this is her recollection of the conversation that she wrote later in her journal. You make a habit of instilling engrams too, don't you? That's fine. That's good behavior for the founder of Dianetics. Isn't it exciting for you, being a pawn on such a grand chessboard? You're playing for the world. Can you think of anything more exciting? I don't give a good goddamn about the world. I want a single, gratifying, human relationship. You couldn't have one. You're an ambitious woman. You crave power. You're a Marie Antoinette, a Cleopatra, a Lucretia Borgia. You must have a Caesar, or an Alexander. No, I don't need a Caesar, though Caesar may need me. I know you now, Ron, and at this moment, I'm closer to you than anyone has ever been. And knowing me, don't care for me anymore. I care for you in a different, new, and exciting way. I shouldn't do this. He kissed me. You still care for me. How do you know? You can't find your hat. You're distracted. (laughs) That makes you feel powerful, doesn't it? It makes me aware of something interesting. You still want me. Why? Because you need me. You'd need me more than I need you. In 1939, I was very much in love with a girl. She felt that way, too. When I knew she had a boyfriend coming up, I waited on the stairway with a gun, just for a moment. Then I said, they are flies. I realized who and what I was and left. I told her I would leave her free to marry a sharpie with a cigar in her mouth from Muncie, Indiana. Would you be left free? The alternative is a sharpie with a cool cigarette from Elizabeth, New Jersey. That wasn't wise. Very wise of you to say that. Uh, I'm just going to say, not my type. That's number one. And number two, uh, that's meatloaf. That, those are meatloaf lyrics. Yes. That, is, yes. that, is, that is such fucking Go nerdy. Go from Elizabeth, New Jersey. And I love meatloaf. But that, is, that is opera well, rock, to say uh, the least. They're 50s romance comics. Yes. Uh, you know, that that's what all this, this is. It's very romantic. It's very over the top. Uh, and that... You know, kind of shows you how Barbara thought about the relationship. Well, it it validated her to be a part of it as much as it validated Ron to have a beautiful woman as his wife. They're just living two different realities. How don't they see what they're actually what their lives are like? Because in their minds, they're they're princesses and kings, but in reality, they're just like pathetic morons. Kissel, what? The reality is what they think. And then it's slowly. Well, the reality is what I'm looking at them on sweatpants. Look at it, though. Just, it no, the reality like is me looking at them in sweatpants on a bus, it, staring at each other, pretending like they're wearing crowns. If it didn't turn into a gigantic multi-billion-dollar cult that was in, like, then I would say you were right, and I was wrong. But they made it happen. They did. 
Now, All right, fine. Now, due to Hubbard's yes. mental... Yes. Okay, don't get too you don't fucking win. happy on yourself. I just said, bumper, all right, all right, fine. I didn't say you were correct. I said, I don't want to argue about this because we have to get to more information about The Elrond. Great Debunker strikes again! You are not the Great Debunker. Uh, due to Hubbard's <laughs> mental instability, the Dianetics Foundation became financially insolvent fairly quickly, and the whole thing started to fall apart. Dr. Winner was the first to go, mainly because he found that even though Elrond Hubbard had told him, Auditing is perfectly safe. Anybody can be an auditor. Don't worry about it. Winner had seen firsthand at least a couple of people driven, perfectly sane people, driven to an asylum by auditing. They went hmm. too deep. They went too far in. Right. He said people were screaming. No one was sleeping or eating. Like Some guy just was habitually slapping himself in the face. Just from talking. Yeah, just from talking. Because they would do it for two hours. What auditing was, an auditing session was two hours long. And you were supposed to have 10 hours uh, or 10 sessions of auditing before you were supposed to feel the effects. So you've got 20 hours of just going further and further in your mind and being guided into places that are a lot of times not fucking real. I mean, these right. so they would these people sometimes would be guided into these delusions uh, and they would also be worried constantly about Ingrams. Is that causing me an Ingram? Is this causing me an Ingram? Oh my God, I can't get rid of my old Ingrams because I'm getting new Ingrams all the time, but I can't get rid of my old Ingrams until I take care of these new Ingrams and it would drive people absolutely fucking insane. Meanwhile, their, their bank account is just going lower and lower and lower. Yeah, yeah, that's like me with t-shirts. I love t-shirts too. I get drunk and buy t-shirts online. All that's the time. all I oh, do. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. It's a wonderful. Fi- and by the way, uh, thank you to YYYS for sending us some wonderful t-shirts. Ooh, thank you so much. Yeah. Also, check out our new rep- our new t-shirt, represent.com. That's a good yeah. little plug. It's a great yeah, shirt. A good plug. Great, great plug. Now, when Winter left, Hubbard went about a campaign to not only tarnish Winter's reputation, but to utterly and completely destroy him, as was to be his philosophy throughout mm-hmm. his life. When anyone crossed him in any way, he was never satisfied with just someone having a black mark on his repu- on their reputation Hubbard wanted that person to be their life to be in ruins but you know it's interesting because again going you know harkening back to that thing that I saw the doc when people do leave the church they still do hold on to some of the tenets of Scientology yeah. and in a lot of ways they do see themselves as the god that'll take down Scientology so Elrond was a, a, a right to be afraid of people leaving because they did want to blow the whole thing up yeah that is what, uh, I mean, again, but that is what cults do. The difference between, in my head, a cult and a religion, it's, we'll probably talk about this a lot, is that it's making little versions of the leader. Yeah. And also, you know, these people spend so many years thinking that uh, the person uh, at the top is this exalted figure. So if they leave the cult, then that means that they are smarter than this exalted figure. Yeah. So therefore, they must also be an extremely smart, godlike person because that part of their brain that sees this person as uh, someone better man. than uh, they you know they then get that transferred to themselves hmm. now Hubbard's favorite tactic in the early years was to report people as communists to the House Un-American Activities Committee headed by Wisconsin's own Senator Joe McCarthy well we're proud of our Joe McCarthy <laughs> you should be <laughs> uh, this was a cheap and easy way for people to get rid of enemies in the early 50s you'd rat someone out as a commie and mm. see their life quick fall apart as just being accused was enough to ruin most people in it's 1950. Like, it's kind of like the witch hunt. Someone should have written like a play or something that was about the witch hunt but was really about that. Uh, 
Crucible. 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 Someone, I didn't just come up with a million dollar idea. Fuck. <laughs> I like, like the idea. every idea you know I come what? up with their television show Matt. sounds like an always sunny in fucking Philadelphia. I like that idea. Can we put Selma Hayek in it? Yeah. Sold. No, but we can put Marilyn Monroe in it if you know what I mean. Yeah, yeah. Arthur Miller, that weird man, had know. sex with Marilyn Monroe. <laughs> Again, shows that L. Ron Hubbard, all you have to be is interesting. Yeah. Ugh. Or manipulative and in power. Yeah, yeah. you either got to be. Exactly. You either got to be. Uh, not interesting. You either got to be interesting. an interesting writer like Arthur Miller or a total jock like Joe DiMaggio. And then you can but get Marilyn Monroe. Yeah, or Joe you can DiMaggio be an extremely deserves- powerful magician, or, uh, magician, politician like John F. Kennedy. You get Marilyn Monroe. Yeah, Joe DiMaggio and JFK, acceptable for Marilyn Monroe. Arthur Miller was a, Arthur- a beautiful mind. No, he wasn't. <laughs> yes, he did. No, Arthur he had Miller. a beautiful mind. No, Jesus yeah. Christ, have you never read The Crucible? No, it's a good <laughs> book, and I've, I actually performed in The Crucible. I was the stake. But, uh, <laughs> no, this, was, this is ridiculous. This is ridiculous. Marilyn had she, she didn't deserve that. <laughs> now, Hubbard's marriage was also falling apart once again. Hubbard was having an affair with Barb, while Sarah was having an affair with Barb's former boyfriend, an auditor from Los Angeles named Miles Hollis. Who Elron forced to go on a double date. Him and Sarah went on a double date with Barbara and Miles, and then Miles started fucking Sarah, and that made... L. Ron Hubbard really upset. Okay, so the accurate depiction of these people, L. Ron Hubbard playing scratch-offs in the corner of the bar, this is a trailer park romance that belongs on the stage of a Jerry Springer set. Uh, set. <laughs> yes. These people are not classy individuals, and but they don't have any answers. They're gods as well. <laughs> I can't imagine someone believing that. No, the marriage between Hubbard and Sarah had been absolutely horrific. When Sarah was pregnant, Hubbard kicked her in the stomach several times to try to do- induce an abortion unsuccessfully. He once hit her so hard that he broke her eardrum. And yep. he had done this exact same thing to Polly as well. I mean, this was just something yeah. that he had done throughout the years. Yeah, would you notice in you, when you read Dianetics, it talks about all of the... It's very interesting because it talks about the Ingrams created uh, when you beat a woman. Yeah, and when you say, all- take that, take that, take oh, that. Wonderful. And so the uh, And so the child hears, take that, take that, while in the womb. And so he becomes a thief. Uh, that makes all the sense in the world. We need more <laughs> male-led religions. That's yes. what I think. Yes. And but that is the tactic that David Miscavige uses as well now. Yeah. Uh, just very physical, very yes. violent. Extremely so. Now they both knew that they shouldn't have been together, but Hubbard refused a divorce, saying it would hurt his reputation. He told her that if she really loved him, she she would kill herself rather than have him go through the indignity of a divorce. I mean, oh, he's right. Like he's Romeo right. and Juliet, just, but the dumpy dumb version. Yeah. Just fucking. Kill yourself. That is insane. Right. So Sarah finally left on February 3rd, 1951, which prompted Hubbard to do something extremely drastic. He needed to take control of the situation, so he decided the best way to do that would be an old-fashioned kidnapping. First, Hubbard and a couple of associates took little Alexi, their child. They dropped her off at a second location, then went back two hours later to get Sarah. Hubbard then drove Sarah around San Bernardino in the middle of the night trying to find a doctor to declare her insane. Literally, he's driving around with a screaming woman in the and car. The, and like, two o'clock, two a.m. And then he keeps right. going into hospitals being like, I need you to declare this woman insane. And they're like, no. <laughs> yeah, you're obviously the what? crazy one. And he's grabbing, he's grabbing Sarah being like, you love when I masturbate. <laughs> you don't care that all I do is <laughs> masturbate. 
I don't care that all I do is masturbate. <laughs> I masturbate. Well, don't forget that you also drink, honey. <laughs> I drink as well, but I don't feel guilty about that. <laughs> when they couldn't find a doctor to declare her insane, Hubbard said he would return their daughter under the condition that she would sign a document that said she had gone with him willingly and not under duress. And he will do this several times. And this is a kidnap. This is a thing where he'll be like, because he'll flip it and be like, I'll write a fucking letter up and you have to, you have to basically, again, deny reality, yeah. change reality in order to uh, absolve me. It yeah. happens. It's like the Elford plea that the West Memphis free had, the, yeah. the three had to sign where you don't admit that you're innocent. The state still admits that you're guilty, but they let you go free somehow. Exactly. It's all nonsense. Yeah. Elrond naturally went back on this deal and took their daughter to Chicago and took this whole thing even further. He called Sarah and told her that he had killed their child, cut it up into pieces, and dropped the pieces in the river, and it was all her fault because she had left him. And he mm. let that sit for a couple of fucking days. And then he called back and like, Sorry. Sorry. Nah, oh. just kidding. Not. And then he wrote a letter to J. Edgar Hoover at the FBI saying that Sarah and her lover, Miles, were both communists out to destroy his America-loving organization oh, from God. the inside out. And Hoover jumped at it. Oh, God yeah, of course Hoover jumped at it because oh. Hoover was jumping at everything. I just put on my favorite fucking wedding dress. <laughs> I've got to go take care of more <laughs> communists. Oh, God well, first damn it. of all, let me just, uh, all right, well, let me fish this stiletto out from inside of myself, <laughs> and then I'll be able to bust these communists. <laughs> Hoover, of course, sent out an agent to check Check out the case, but after just one interview with Hubbard, the agent went back to the FBI and said, "This guy's fucking insane. We don't need to. We don't need to have anything to do with this guy. What we do need to do is start a fucking file on him because this guy we actually have to watch." And this mm. is very again, we're going to see a lot where L. Ron Hubbard using his dumb tactics brings heat on himself yeah. a lot. And then I, but then again, I think it's because he likes it. Yeah, the the oh, negative sure. attention and the positive attention is what's fuel in the fucking manic engine. Well, well you it, don't have Jesus without Pontius Pilate. You got to exactly. have people scrutinizing you, otherwise you're not a god. Absolutely, he loves people attacking him because the more people yeah. attack him, the more valid he is. That's How, flip it. Yeah, he he yeah. flips it because if they're attacking him, then he must be doing something right. I don't know if that sounds fucking familiar to anybody. Yeah, but that's what he. That's how his followers uh, get more admiration for him. That's how his organization gains strength because if they're being attacked and they must be doing something it's, it's right cults 101 it's religion 101 the god hates fags cult that's all they, the whole thing was predicated on them being uh, protesting uh, weddings or funerals of marines and then they the people yelling at them they'd be like that's proof it's also mm -hmm. in nowadays that's like a, I have friends that are like I have Instagram friends that are like cyber goths like it's like the super intense like makeup and they're all like in weird corsets and then the one boyfriend is always selling this shirt that's like hated by some trash talk trash talk by some was it hated by all trash talk by some do I give a fuck I'll tell you what it's less than one uh, the funny irony is <laughs> no one knows who you are and no one gives a no shit what you do but people like having haters yeah, yeah, people love it. It validates their lives. That's when, honestly, whenever I feel like, oh, overwhelmed or something, I always just remember there's six billion people in this world. All of them care about themselves. No one cares what we do. Yeah. And it's, yeah. it's actually a great liberator. Yeah. Some people just want attention no matter what. And the easy, it's much more uh, simple and easy to get negative attention than it is to get well, positive true. attention. It is ridiculously easy. Now, Sarah officially filed for divorce, and Hubbard got his first spate of truly bad 
depressed. This shit was awful because she, uh, Sarah got a lawyer that loved publicity, knew how to work the press. So there were all these headlines. It was like cult leader kidnaps tot uh, and shit like that. Uh, and so Hubbard eventually granted Sarah the divorce under the condition that she write a letter saying how awesome he was and how none of this stuff in the press was true and she would have to publish it. And of course, Hubbard wrote the letter and she signed it and so the divorce was finalized. Ron then came back to the United States and settled in Wichita, Kansas under the financial care of a Mr. Don Purcell, Ron's very first super rich dupe who would give him the money he needed to keep going until he could start Scientology proper, which we'll get into on the next episode. If you are a billionaire, just please use your money for good. Wisely. Use please, it wisely. God, don't you know prop what? Up Be an Elon Musk. Honestly, Ooh, I like Elon Musk. You don't even have to use it for good. Just use it for your own fun. Just don't use it for evil. I you like know, Bill Gates, too. He does some good stuff. Just Bill Gates buy a does helicopter, zip around with it. I have a bunch of gold clothes. You, know you want I mean? gold clothes? Sure. Now, do you feel like outfit. that's not going to... You're five foot seven, slow Polish man. Do you think that wearing gold clothes is going to make you a target? Um, I would be carried. <laughs> I would be carried by five MMA champions. Okay, well, maybe there's you're this, safe. There's this millionaire in Amarillo that I think is a lot like what you would be like, Henry, if you got rich. He uh, got the, He bought this field. He painted a whole bunch of gigantic boulders to look like billiard balls. Yep. And then he worked out equations where he... He would pay people to push the billiard balls across the field to play a huge game of billiards. That's, inc- he'd also, that he'd is, also, that's incredible. And he'd that's pay, how the pyramids were built. Yeah, he'd also, he would pay teenagers uh, to drive around on the outskirts of golf courses and yell at golfers on megaphones. <laughs> this is incredible. Yeah, and, exactly. and he a went, chaos maker. Just yeah. like literally be a wild card. Yeah, and he paid, uh, <laughs> he, he would pay uh, people money to put up road signs in their front yard that would just have like a, some of them would just have like a big cricket big, big picture of a cricket on it and say cricket crossing uh, and then others would say why not and it's just and there are hundreds of these all across Amarillo because he'd give people like 300 bucks he's like here's 300 dollars let me put a, let me put a sign yes. and people have no they have no say over what goes on in their yard they sign a contract That's so amazing. whatever they get they're fucking stuck with well, I'm going that. full I'm going full the jerk if I get rich yeah. we're gonna do this I can see that um, <laughs> All right, so that's part two, the L. Ron Hubbard uh, series. Unbelievable work. Uh, great job, everybody. Um, let's see. What Can do, I what? stop reading Dianetics now? You should have you never get, started reading we're done, Dianetics. We're done with Dianetics. We're moving on to, Scien- we're moving on to Scientology proper. I know, proper. a new book. We're moving uh, on to The Bridge. We're going to talk about Thetans, uh, Xenu, all of that wacky bullshit. This is when it gets really crazy because the older Ron Hubbard gets, the crazier he gets, the more vicious he gets. And also, right. man, toot toot comes the Sea Org. Sea Org's my favorite shit on the face of the planet. Yeah. Make way for the Commodore. It's just Pirates of the Fat Caribbean. <laughs> <laughs> and, uh, I mean, I do, I, you know, and, you know, I don't want to be mean spirited towards people. And I understand how people can, you know, get, get, get tricked and duped yeah. into this stuff, and they really are victims in their get own Get out. Life. Well, it's people looking for an answer. And, yeah. and you know, and, and it's, that's what every cult is. And, and these are all like cults of personality. Yeah. Uh, people get taken in with this every day. It doesn't make them stupid. It doesn't make them bad people. No, actually, they're very smart a lot of times. Yeah, a lot of times they are very smart, but it doesn't make them stupid. It doesn't make them bad people. It just makes them desperate. Yeah. You know, yeah. Looking for looking for an answer, any answer. Also, and for some reason, people get keyed in 
to uh, these cults. They get keyed into these leaders, yep. and they think, all right, this is it. This is the guy that's going to solve all of my problems. And a lot of times, people make it the end-all, be-all. They were like, this guy is going to solve all my problems, or nobody also, is. Also, right. Scientology is Star Trek University. It's like, it's cool to be a part of the fantasy. If you want to live the fantasy and give in fully, it's like living D&D with your life. Yeah. Is that you get to go and pl- play with aliens and, and believe in all of this shit if you want yeah. to. But yeah. there's a real world that happens as well. So. Yes. Yes, there very um, much is. All right. Well, let's see here, Marcus. What should we do now? Should we thank people for uh, donating to the Patreon page? Thank you so much for do- donating to the Patreon. Yeah. As always, uh, patreon.com slash last podcast on the left if you want to uh, give to our Patreon. Unfortunately, we can't do shout outs this week uh, because we're recording so much so we haven't had time to really gather them up. Uh, but uh, if you give just one dollar to our patreon you get advanced ticket sales on yeah. all of our shows uh and thank you guys so much for everybody who has already bought tickets to our uh next spade alive shows uh, go to cavecomedyradio.com slash live of course uh in uh, austin we sold out the first show just on pre-sales alone we had wow. to open up a second show uh so it is absolutely worth it just to pay a dollar a month uh to get access to uh the pre-sale tickets uh that's to- if you want to see us that's if you want to see yeah. us that's if you that's if you care about seeing us if you don't care about about seeing us, that, then I that's guess fine. we're all fucked. Everything's <laughs> fucked. <laughs> yeah. So give us whatever you feel, uh, whatever you feel like we deserve. And if you don't feel like we deserve anything, that's totally fine too. We just appreciate you listening. That's right. And uh, you can find Marcus Parks on Twitter at Marcus Parks. Henry loves you. Uh, Henry is Henry loves you on yes. Twitter and Doctor Fantasty on Instagram. Marcus Parks is Marcus for everything. I'm Ben Kissel uh, on Twitter and Ben Kissel one on Instagram and all- at LP on the left for all of our bullshit. Yeah, and go Absolutely. and follow me on Spotify. There it is. And also, I'm doing a weekly. I'm reading a creepypasta for the patreon subscribers so this week's episode or uh, creepypasta was advice from a friend but is that friend alive you'll have to listen <laughs> to find out <laughs> all my dead friends are the smartest oh yeah mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. because you make them all agree with you yeah yeah because <laughs> they don't have any more personalities so they can't yeah hail satan hail yourselves everyone hail gain mail me muggles delations Fluffy bread, fresh tortillas, classic burger buns, and so many carbs. Carb fear is real, but Hero Bread makes healthier versions of the carb-heavy favorites we love the most. We're talking fewer calories, 0 to 2 grams net carbs, 0 grams of sugar, and seriously great taste. Plus more of the dietary fiber and protein you want. No compromise. Don't skip out on your favorites. Just use Hero Bread. Get 10% off your order at Hero.co with code Hero10 at checkout. That's Hero10 at H-E-R-O dot C-O.